And tonight, we're going to read through some scripture together, if you would. Please put up that scripture. Um, If you have anything other than the ESV tonight, I'm just thankful that we have so many godly and wonderful translations that have been given to us. But for the sake of reading together, if you don't have the English Standard Version tonight, I encourage you just to read up here tonight so that we can all read together. What we're going to do is we're going to read through this whole psalm. It's only seven verses. And... uh, this is, this is all great. You know, it's great to read the word of God together. Read with me, please. It says this. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. Selah. That your way may be known on earth. Your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Selah. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. Amen. This is a really excited psalm. What's a, what's a word maybe that's popped out? to you as we've read this out loud, something that's just occurred a whole lot in this. Praise. Amen. Praise, right? A lot of praise. A whole lot of praise. Some people think that Psalm 65, 66, and 67 kind of all goes together, uh, though it, it may, you know, have, we've split it up into different chapters. It's an, it's an excited psalm. And uh, one commentator said this, it's like, it's like the, the psalmist saw what was for Israel, the blessing of God. And it's like their imagination went to the implications of what could be for all the nations to know what it was like to have the blessing of God upon them. And that's what I want to talk about tonight is made known through blessing. Made known through blessing. Really want to teach this tonight. Really want to let it just fall upon our hearts here. This is a psalm that I've I've meditated on for a long time. It's been in my heart for years. It's something that has repeatedly come to my, my wife and I over recent months. And it always felt very veiled. You know, I'd read it, and I'd read it again. And I'd go to another Bible version, and I'd read it two or three times there. And I'd listen to it somewhere else there. And I'd, and I'd get the gist of it, and it was good. But it was like, God, there's just more there, and I don't know what it is. So I hope I can share tonight with you some of the things that God's been showing me. I just want to share with that. And you know what I wonder is, perhaps some of the things of God I haven't seen because I haven't taken the time to really slow down and really ask questions to the Lord and really just take a pen and paper and ask some questions to the scripture, as it were. You know, just some simple stuff, some who, what, when, where, why kind of questions. And, you know, it's interesting here. It says us a lot in verse one. May God be gracious to us. Bless us and make his face to shine upon us us. It's all us focused. It's all me focused in the beginning of this. And it's talking about a people who have a relationship with God. It's really just this this expression of us-ness, right? And then all the rest of the psalm talks about all those other people. It talks about us, the people who have a relationship with God, and then there's all the heathen, all the nations all the people, all those pagans out there. And they're neatly separated into two different camps, just like there is today. 
the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. Two neatly divided camps. Jesus said, if you're not with me, you're, you're against me. If you don't gather with me, then you're scattering. Those are Jesus' words. So really, we could just say it's the people who have a relationship with God and a people who don't. And if you would, uh, put up that first picture. In my mind, I come up with, with things sometimes. I'm not the most creative person, but sometimes I'll see a photo. This is something that someone so much more talented than me came up with today. If you could just put up picture number one, should be up there. Oh, thank you. There you go. There's Israel. That's the us in the psalm. I just couldn't see it here. I'm sorry. (laughs) That's the us in Psalm 67. Those are the people that are declaring God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God whom we are already in relationship with. Bless us. Make your face to shine upon us. Give us all of these wonderful things. Bless us. And I think a lot of people would stop right there today. A lot of TV preachers certainly do. And I know that a lot of our prayers can be comfortable right there. Lord, I have this need, legitimate need. Would you bless me? Lord God, there's this other thing. Would you bless me? Would you help me? I want to know you more. All of these things. And this psalm, it really is borrowing from Numbers chapter 6, verses 22 to 27. It was a blessing that God had given to Moses to give to the high priest Aaron, his brother. And this is what God said in Numbers 6, to 27. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons saying, Thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So shall they shall put my name upon the people of Israel, and I will bless them. This was a God-ordained blessing. God wanted his people to know they were blessed, to enjoy the blessings, and to revel in them. It says in the New Testament that Christ has given us all things richly to enjoy. It gives God pleasure whenever we recognize from him come all things to our lives. He wants you to enjoy that cup a pumpkin spice latte, if you like it. And if not, then if you like it black, drink it black. If you're like me and you like it with just a dab of honey, that too. Give him praise for all the good things he's allowed you to have. He wants you to enjoy these things. He wants you to know, I've given you your daily bread. I've given you all things. There are some things that are even silly to other people, but our Father knows are special to us. And he finds a way to bless us with those things. And again, to someone else, They'd be like, huh? But to you, give your father praise for those things. He wants you to be blessed. But if we were to ask ourselves this, would we stop right there? What is the why in the blessing? Again, there's nothing wrong having a need. And there's there's infinitely less wrong with going to our father to meet those needs. But what is the next step? You know, we're very much in an A-B culture, either or culture. You're either with this or, oh, oh, you don't agree with me? Then you're one of them. It's this either or. But God is very much, he has clear distinctions, but he's also a both and God. We are meant to richly enjoy his blessings he's given us. And there is something as well that is to come out from us as the blessed people. Just like the people that the psalm was directed to. What were they to do with the blessings of God upon them? 
What was to flow out of Israel? Were they not supposed to be a light? You could put up that second photo. All the blessings were to come in so that all the nations might know that he had put his name on them. God said that whenever he judged Egypt, I have done this and now all the nations will fear me when they see what I have done. That was not just an overnight judgment. It was a prolonged judgment upon Egypt and everyone found out about it. And that's why whenever Israel was going to the promised land, those people approached them and pretended to have these raggedy clothes and moldy bread and worn out shoes because they wanted peace, because they knew what God had done to this people. It was because of that, that Og of Bashan, I believe his name is, um, he, he, or the other king, he began to pay a prophet, a false prophet, to, to curse Israel because he knew the blessing of God that was on Israel. And he said, I will pay you whatever you want. Curse the people of Israel. And instead of cursing them, he spoke a blessing. And he said, I can't just not curse them. I am being provoked by God to bless them. That's what they were. They were so blessed that the cursings of a false prophet, of a, of a, of a warlock, could not stop the blessings of God. They were to take the land, and then the knowledge of God was meant to flow out. Just like we see that the uh, queen of Sheba, she comes from, she comes, uh, from Sheba, and, uh, which is, you know, kind of southern area, southeastern area of Egypt or wherever it was. She came from very far. And she came to know about this God, this temple, and this King Solomon, and all of his wisdom. So the knowledge of God, and of his blessings, and of that wisdom was flowing out. And that is what the blessings of God are for us. The rest of the psalm flows out of the blessed state of the people of God, Israel. And they, they had a connection with God, with Yahweh, and the Old Covenant. But we have a connection with God through Jesus Christ in the new covenant, which is an infinitely greater covenant, infinite greater blessings. You can keep up picture number two. This was the reason for the blessing. Verse two, that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. It's really cool sometimes whenever you, uh, if you have a Bible study app, you'll see that sometimes a word in the original language, it's rendered in several words in English. And I found something, I didn't find it, someone else found it, and I saw it. And uh, if, if Pastor Lee were here, he would just say, I saw it. And he said, just do it, right? Because all those things are given to us by the body of Christ, and God put it there anyway. But what something amazing is, do you know what the word saving power actually is in the Hebrew right there? Yeshua. Do you know what the name Yeshua is? Joshua, Jesus, that's what it is. God saves. It's that name right there. In the Hebrew, it says that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Look it up in whatever Bible study app you've got, that your Yeshua would, uh, would be known among all nations. That is cool. That is exciting. That is really fun. God was speaking to his people Israel, but he was also speaking so much more deeply that one day all the nations of the earth would know Jesus. 
who is the saving power of God, that he would be known among all the nations through his people. You know, when we speak about Old Covenant and New Covenant, Hebrews 1, 1 to 4, makes it really clear the difference here, especially in light of the psalm. It says this, Hebrews 1, verses 1 to 4. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the worlds. Which prophet created the worlds? Not a one. And he's spoken to us by himself, his son. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Jesus is better. His saving power that we have tasted is greater than the saving power of God liberating the children of Israel from Egypt and all those demon gods. All those demon powers. All those evil spirits who were personified in certain things of raw, of the sun, of all of it that all the judgments of God came against. Demon powers were being judged. God has infinitely more saved us. More than a Red Sea crossing, even more than a deliverance from Gideon, I put in my notes. As powerful and awesome as that is, how exciting. Even more than that, more than Saul, more than David, we have deliverance from death and hell. That is the deliverance we have. That is the saving power that God wants to be known among the nations. God wants through you and through me, through his church, the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ that has come to us would not just be known among us, but would flow out from us. If you'd put up that, that third photo. We're working with a guaranteed ending in the psalm. We're working with a guaranteed ending. This is us. This is the church. This is God's basic unit of measure. If you, if you know physics or if you know uh, you work in shipping, whatever it is, there's always a basic unit of measure of some sort. For us, when we go to fill up our gas, what's our basic unit of measure? Gallons. Whenever we measure, we, our basic unit of measure is the inch the foot, the yard, the mile. For God, the basic unit of measure in the New Testament is the church. To the church in Thyatira. To the church in Ephesus. Paul, to the church in Chloe's house. Paul, to the Philippians. The church is comprised of the individual, but once you come into the church, in a sense, you lose your individuality. You're still an individual, still have individual needs, still have an individual walk, but now you're a part of a body. And so we have a corporate blessing that has come to us as the body of Jesus Christ. That is, it has come to us and God inhabits not just individual believers, though he does, but what do we make up? Again and again, Paul says, God inhabits his body, the church. In the church, he makes known to principalities and powers, to the universe, all the riches that he has invested in the church, that local church and that global church. That is that basic unit of measure. 
We have faced a thousand and, and, and experienced a thousand deliverances from lust, from bitterness, from hate, from anger, wrath, covetousness, jealousy, laziness. What has God done in your individual life? And what have we seen him do corporately here as a body of believers? Have you written it down? Those are the blessings of God. Those are the things that God wants, that he has invested in us individually and as a church to speak of to those around us. You know, what is your testimony? How did God find you? And not just how he found you and then I said a sinner's prayer. What has he been doing in you? Even if you say the last 20 years has been marked by failure, I don't care. The fact that he has kept you through many snares, toils, and trials is the salvation of God in your life. And if you need to be boosted in your testimony, if you feel like a failure, go read the testimony of the man who wrote Amazing Grace that even after he was a believer would violate the slave women on the ship as a believer. How horrendous, how disgusting, how awful. But the depravity of his life, God liberated him day after day after day after day until he was set free. And some of y'all don't like that testimony and you say, that's not my God. Well, I'm here to tell you that is your God who knows the depths that some of us came from. Maybe not you, but he knows how addicted to different things some of us were. He knows how bad some of us were. And that's salvation that some of us know. The God who said, those who I have forgiven much, they love much. There's some of the people you might see on the street preaching. Hopefully they're preaching grace and the love of Jesus Christ, the new covenant. The people who are weeping at the feet of Jesus, who have been liberated from the most ungodly lifestyles that if any of us shared with some of y'all would shudder at. Which is why the proverb says, don't speak your whole heart to everybody. That's a foolish thing. But I'm thankful for the blood of Christ and that new covenant for people like me who needed it. And for people like John Newton so that he could pin the words. Because he, could, he had already experienced that deep cleansing and washing. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. That is why I think God took a man like that and penned the song, that song through him that echoes through the ages because he delights to make himself known through the weak and the foolish and his blood is powerful. Even if that is not your testimony, what has he done? What is he doing now? What are the financial provisions he has made? What are all the good blessings Maybe you have children. Maybe you don't, but God has made himself known to you as better than a thousand children. Maybe he's healed you. Maybe he hasn't, but you've gotten closer to him in it, through it. That is still the salvation of Yeshua. That is still the salvation of Jesus Christ that you are able to share with the people around you. He wants them to know it. He wants you to take part. We've got the armor of God. In Ephesians 6, 10 to 11, these are some of the blessings that all of us have been given. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. 
Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. My God has given me the armor of God. Maybe I don't take it up as much as I should when the attacks of the enemy come. But by God, there is an armor that he has prepared for me. There, are, there is fruit of the Spirit. Galatians five twenty two to 24. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. Oh, Lord, let me abide in the Holy Spirit because as I do... Your patience is necessary. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. How many times I have not said something. I've not put my hands on somebody because of the fruit of the Spirit. Maybe you'd say, I was addicted to retail therapy. And you know how many times I'd go to Amazon when I got depressed Gummy bears in one hand, mouse in the other hand, or my finger on, on top of my, my iPad, and I'm, I'm floating around. I'm like, man, oh, I've always wanted that. Today's a good day to buy that thing I know I cannot afford. But then God delivers us, and you're like, you know what? I've realized I don't have to do that because there's peace, and my God's not afraid of my depression or the things that I'm going through. Those that belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. These are a few of my favorite things. These are some of the things that God has given to us. The gifts of the Spirit. It says in Ephesians 4.8, When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. He has given gifts to the body of Christ. He's given me a family. Romans 8.15-17, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father, The most intimate term that a Jewish person could call, kind of like daddy. Though that really sounds weird in English. He's given us in our hearts the most intimate longing to cry out to him. And when we don't have the words to say, there's a Holy Ghost who can intercede through groanings and through tongues to talk to God and make intercession on our behalf. That's a good father. That's the kind of salvation he's given you. The Spirit himself, verse 16 of Romans 8. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. He has given us a witness that we belong to his family. We are no longer orphans. And if children, then we are heirs. Not just, ex- not just allowed at the dinner table. Welcomed with a loud voice from our father. Hey son, hey daughter, glad you're here. Let's have a feast in the word of God. Let's drink of my Holy Spirit. And heirs, people who are one day going to inherit something from God. And can you believe that the Holy Spirit indwelling us is just the down payment? My goodness, seriously, what are the riches of God going to be in heaven? Can't fathom. We are fellow heirs with Christ. And unto him has been given a name above all names. And, we're, and we will not be God. We won't be little gods. But if we're going to be joint heirs with him, wow. What does that look like? Provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. We've been given physical provision. We've been told to pray this way. Give us this day our daily bread. We've been told with food and clothing to have contentment. We've been given contentment. And the most discontented nation that perhaps has ever lived, which is why there are so many types of immoral material out there because of the discontentment. The, the lust of man and woman, there's never enough. We've been given contentment and we're even able, given the command with food and clothing, 
therewith be content, which means my God is able to give me that ability. That's amazing. And we're told we're more valuable than sparrows and that we should fear not little flock. And he knows the number of hairs on our head. That is the salvation. And that those are the benefits and the ability to walk with God that have been invested into the church of Jesus Christ. So that we might enjoy them and that your way may be known on earth. Your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you judge the peoples with equity. You guide the nations upon earth. Selah. Let the peoples praise you. O God, let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. At least in a measure in us for now. The first fruits of Christ. God, our God, shall bless us. He blesses us every day more and more. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. And can you show that last slide, please? It's just a few arrows going the other way, but it's helpful to see it. That from us to the nations, starting at our neighbors, our co-workers, our family members, we could speak of God, of Jesus We're learning, and Billy and Jane are doing a phenomenal job of it in our Sunday school for young marriage. It's so so great. They talk to us. They teach to us. We recap a chapter in a book called Dedicated about how we can not only dedicate our children up here, but also each day set them apart with the Word of God, with the Spirit of God, the presence of God in our homes. And we then begin to talk about it in small groups. It's really great. We can just talk about these things with them. And we can see God begin to infiltrate their lives so that he might bring joy, that he might bring happiness, that they might sing, that they might be glad. That's the point of God, that all the peoples would praise him, that our homes would praise him. It's too small even to say, give me my neighbor and give me my children. Let God give us every single descendant that should ever come from us until Jesus returns for his church. Let our prayers grow Make yourself known to me, God. You've done things in my life. Make yourself known through me. Give me opportunity. And not just whenever they're from Albania or Iraq or wherever, but whenever they're just, you know, they're less interesting because they're whatever. And we see them every day and they're across the street and they don't have an accent. You know, God forbid that we should only share the gospel with the people who come from a different part of the world, but that everyone should know about this. And guys, this will not be fully done. This, this psalm will not really be lived out completely until the second coming of Jesus Christ. Not fully. Not whenever everyone then does know him. Not in his millennial reign where he is ruling across all the nations. Where the knowledge of, of Jesus of this saving power, does flow over all the lands. However, there is a sooner fulfillment of it, and you can be a part of it, or we cannot be a part of it. Because whenever I read the end of the book, in Revelation 5, 8 to 10, it says this, John saw this. I'll let you get there. I'd love for you to read with me, Revelation 5, 8 to 10. Revelation 5, chapter 5, verses 8 through 10. 
it says this, and he went, went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he, when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain. And by your blood, you ransomed, you bought people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. A pinch of people at minimum from every tribe, tongue, and nation will be saved before the tribulation on this earth. But this psalm speaks of a much broader blessing than even that, that all would know. But we have the opportunity to be involved in the near-term fulfillment of this psalm. Every day, there will be people around the throne, but how do they get there? You, you, me, we're the vehicle for the people around the throne. We're the ones who speak of the blessing of God at the mall, in the FNT Academy, in the school, the public school, wherever we are. It's because of you and you telling people about the blessings of God, especially Jesus on your life, his saving power, that the guy named Muhammad. And the lady with the other foreign name, you know, Alejandra, ends up around the throne of God. It's because of you. You take part in that. I want to be a part of that. Some will be saved. And for them, there's going to be gladness. There's going to be praise. There's going to be singing for joy. And there's going to be a fearing of God. That's God's heart. I pray that we will let that heart be expressed in us to God for what he's already done for us so that when we go out, we're just expressing to them the joy and the gladness and the fear of God and the praise that we give in the church house and our cars and the showers and our private time with the Lord. And we're just expressing it to them. And it's not some high pressure sales pitch on how to be saved but it just flows out like a river that brings salvation and healing to the people around us. That's what God wants to do. It's, this, it's that same call of Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them all things that I've taught you unto the ends of the earth, starting with our neighbors. And I just want to say this last thing, and the instruments can go ahead and come up. God's face has already shined on us more than he shined on the face of Moses. When Moses came down from the mountain, it shined, but he put a veil over it. And eventually, he was able to take the veil off because the glory eventually faded. And that was to tell us that the glory of that old covenant of what Israel knew with their physical blessings and their physical land and all of these things was nothing compared to the people who have stood face to face 
with the salvation of God, with the saving power, with Yeshua, with Jesus, that we might reflect Him to the world with that shining presence of God and this covenant, His face never grows dim. In fact, John, the very disciple who was laying on the chest of Jesus, fell at the feet of Jesus in Revelation because His glory was even greater than He had seen on the Mount of Transfiguration. And we are invited to see Jesus and to let His presence shine upon us more and more every day and then go out where God has placed us and to express the saving power among the nations.